Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch on AM 770 KTTH. We are streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. Another day, another stolen car driven through a pot shop in Seattle. That is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. When I saw this news this morning, I was completely shocked. I was like, what? Thieves using a Kia to break into a pot shop in Seattle? Overnight? Here? In Seattle? No, we don't experience things like this. This is a world-class city. Just ask any one of the trolls on Twitter who respond to me when I point out that things aren't going well and they tell me everything is fine. I don't even live in the city, I'm told multiple times, and I have no idea why people don't think I live in Seattle, other than to say, well, you're a very smart person. Why would you choose to live in Seattle? Which I will take as a compliment, but they don't mean it as a compliment. They think I'm just making stuff up. Happened around 3.30 this morning in the Rainier Valley neighborhood. Officers got to the scene, and they found a Kia Forte crashed into the front of the building Oh, someone who lives nearby spoke with our sister station, Cairo News Radio. The neighborhood is pretty bad, and um, yeah, the store has been here, I think, about the same time I moved over here, about three years. And uh, it's a pretty busy store, but, you know, I've been suspecting it's going to get hit sooner or later. Yep. I Here's, <laughs> and I'm not joking on this, I think that this is a valid concern. If you live near a pot shop, you should be a little bit worried. I wouldn't go out at night in the middle of the night because at some point, if it hasn't already been hit once, it will definitely be hit. At some point, it will be hit. And likely, it'll be hit multiple times. That is the reality. It'd be funny if we found out it was not your common criminal, but just someone who's all about uh, the, the straight edge life. Is that what do the kids call it when you don't do anything? Straight edge? Yeah. You don't do anything? So why would they break in? To destroy everything. Oh. oh yeah, now yeah, yeah. you click. Now so walking clicked. the straight and narrow. I saw the light bulb go off. Well, yeah, you, you kind of walked me up to that one with, with not very much direction. I couldn't have been any, I couldn't have given any more direction. <laughs> I, I was the GPS. Google Maps is telling you, here's what the joke means. But you didn't, say, it was, it was, you didn't say turn right. Oh, my God. You didn't have to turn right. It was straight ahead. That's the thing. Well, that's where I got confused. Yeah, it was one of those you ended up. You ended up in the lake. It's one of those things. They told me to turn in the lake. Oh, my God. The car hit the building. I will say this. Here, here's some pu- kind of good news. Maybe. It depends on your perspective, I guess. The car hit the building so hard that the airbags went off. This according to Como TV. Now, we have not seen that in any of the other instances because you don't really need to go that hard into a storefront. It's just glass usually. And this one was so strong that even the the car itself was just not quite total, but the front end was whatever the version of total is. It's, it's possibly negative because that just means they probably did more damage, I guess. To the shop, and we don't want that to happen. But maybe, fingers crossed, one of them got hurt. Is that wrong to hold that position? I mean, they're bad guys. Yeah, but do we? It's not right to wish harm upon people. It's at definitely the same time. not right. But there's I don't a little know if bit it's wrong. There's a little bit of a tension 
let's just say. Maybe it's a wash. It's neither a positive statement or a negative statement because they're already bad. Reasonable. Now, we don't know how many people were involved if it was more than one. No suspect information has been provided yet, but let me go out on a limb and say that they are most likely juveniles. That's going to be my guess. And really, when I say juveniles, I should there, there needs to be a better term for juvenile up until mid-20s. Young person? A young person, yeah, but that young could be seven-year-old. Well, young adult means you're an adult that's young. Isn't that what 16, you're... That, no, 16 is not a young adult. 16 is a juvenile. Adult is when you're 18 years old. So it's juvenile plus young adult, but there needs to be a juvenile adult, something like that. Just we'll say that. Everybody it. will know what you mean. I will work on that one. That's almost certainly going to be the case. Why is this happening? Again, do I have to tell everyone or is everyone on the same page? I was filling in this morning for Dan Bongino, so perhaps some newbies are listening to the show Maybe from out of state, or maybe that's the only show you listen to on KTTH, and now you're punishing yourself for missing this one. We have a law on the books that says police cannot pursue criminals who are suspected in a nonviolent crime, even nonviolent felonies. And it turns out driving your car, unless you're in Thurston County, but driving your car through a storefront in King County is not considered a violent crime. Now, our friend Derek Sanders, the sheriff of Thurston County, he came on the show a couple weeks ago. He made the announcement that he is now considering that to be a felony that they can uh, they can pursue with. He's basically making the claim that the car is a deadly weapon and you are now using a deadly weapon. Now, as I said at the time, I'm not sure that would hold up if it was challenged. Doesn't matter. Go after the bad guy. Send the message. But unfortunately, we're not yet seeing that happen across the state. And it will, let's be honest, almost certainly never happen in King County. That will never happen in King County. Sheriff Dow Constantine will not allow it. Or whomever the sheriff is, whose name I always forget because she's not a real sheriff. She was appointed by Dow to do precisely what it is that he wants her to do. That actually, weirdly enough, is her name or her birth name. It's a lot of letters. Yeah, don't ask me to say it again. Let's find out what else is trying to What's trending? The homelessness crisis. Fastcompany.com has a quasi-curious argument that they're making, or, or a question that is apparently being asked in the city of Portland. Portland, for, every, for all of us who say, God, can Seattle get any worse? The answer is yes, it's Portland. And it, it is, it's bad. It is really bad in Portland. And yet, they are opening... A 35-story Ritz-Carlton hotel and residences. $700 million development. It broke ground several years ago, and it's supposed to open next month. And they write in this Fast Company piece, well, on the one hand, when you have a Ritz-Carlton, it's usually a sign that the city has arrived, at least when it comes to travelers who are looking for luxury. And obviously, a Ritz-Carlton will always hit that. This one in particular, $473 a night. They have a 7,000-square-foot fitness center that no one will use except for that guy. An infinity pool and a food cart-inspired eatery on the ground floor. A nod to the thriving food cart pod that the building displaced. Yeah, I'm sure they're proud of that. They're really happy about that, those pod people, the food pod people. 
the residential apartments are priced between 1.14 million and 8.9 million. They have sweeping mountain views. But this is where things turn. They say, but just outside the hotel's front entrance, a different reality sets in. On the surrounding blocks, Portlanders camp in tents and doorways among the roughly 6,000 people who are experiencing homelessness. You mean 6,000 homeless? People experiencing homelessness is apparently the proper way to say homeless people. More concise, apparently. It's wordy. It's like they're getting paid by the letter. They say that the city is wrestling with all of these crises is now homelessness, drug use, crime is now the time to open this Ritz Carlton. Does it send the right message? Is it kind of weird? Are the optics a little wonky? They quote someone who's in the community with the first Unitarian church of Portland. And they're actually part of the problem because they're encouraging and enabling all the homeless there. Allison Miller, she calls this tone deaf. Or worse. Right outside my window are 20 tents, and those are just the ones that I can see. And now, these luxury apartments, these two extremes really force us to reckon with who is losing out and who is being supported in our city. Well, dum-dum, not to call you a dum-dum, but I just called you a dum-dum. The city isn't paying for this. You do understand that, right? This was a development that went in First of all, in 2019, before the crisis got as bad as it, as it's become. And by the way, when I say it, it broke ground in 2019. So that means the funding for this project was probably years in the making. How what what's to reckon with losing? Who is losing out and who is being supported in our city? Who Who is being supported in the city by a private company, a private developer putting in a, a Ritz Carlton? The city's not doing anything to help them other than they've got the space to build, which is their right. And are you going to tell me, are you going to pretend that Portland is not spending a ton of money on homelessness? What does her comment even mean? They say the story of the Ritz-Carlton's fraught relationship with the local community dates back to tax breaks folded into the Trump administration. Oh, no. 2017 tax overhaul. It created the Opportunity Zone program. The idea behind it was to encourage investors to build in impoverished or struggling areas by allowing them to defer and reduce taxes on capital gains that they reinvest in these developments. Oh, my God. They're actually putting investments into an area that is in desperate need of some. You know, sometimes we hear that there are food deserts. We need more grocery stores. They're basically complaining. Who allow, Who put this Whole Foods here? Eh. We don't like that here. Who benefits from that? This is absurd. And again, by the way, when this was financed and put in, it's when the downtown area was in much better shape. This was back in 2018 when all of this started to come together. So I don't understand why we're pretending that this is a bad thing. The only reason why there are any complaints is that it's Portland. And they just don't like the wealthy. Stuart Varney on Fox Business, he got a little bit annoyed, but he laughed at it. I think I made him laugh because he doesn't like sarcasm, but I got very sarcastic. He was like, oh, I'll give you a pass on that one, young man. But he was smiling when he said it. He said, I I can't for the life of me figure out why these people wouldn't want 
Ritz Carlton uh, in their neighborhood versus the homeless. And I said, well, it's Portland. They probably do want the homeless in the neighborhood. And that's when he got a little snippy with me, but in a funny way. That's pretty good. It's very good. I Did you know that I'm quick on my feet? Yeah, I know you think that, yeah. No, no, no. I didn't say I think that. I know that. That is fact. You're the one who couldn't put together a simple metaphor about a GPS. My God. Push the button. What's trending in the classroom? The American Federation of Teachers president, Randy Weingarten, is a bad person. Man, we got a lot. Put her name on the list if we haven't. No, she's already on the list. Oh, she's, yeah, actually a couple times. Yeah, well, that's only because you misspelled it the first time. It's Randy with an I, not a Y. Got it. And it's Weingarten with an Eingarten. Got it? Got got it. So she said something absolutely absurd. She compared parental choice to segregation. Those same words that you heard in terms of um, wanting segregation post-Brown v. Board of Education, those same words you hear today. It's not, you know, I, I I was kind of gobsmacked when I was on the, I was talking to Southern Poverty Law Center. And they showed me the same words, choice, um, parental rights, and attempt to divide parents versus teachers. In that point, it was white parents versus um, other parents. Oh, my God. So, obviously, that's a bad faith argument. It's, it's also a dumb argument. They use the term choice. They want choice. Parents want choice. The last time parents said that they wanted to choose not to have their white kids next to black kids at school. You know what other movement uses the term choice? The pro-choice abortion movement. I guess all they want to do is abort black babies. Should we just go with that? that, That's kind of the message she's trying to go for. I'm using her ridiculous argument. And there's a better argument that I can make on that. Especially given the history of abortion and who's getting abortions in the highest numbers. I make a better argument than she just did. What is she talking about? I mean, look, I get it. She is the person behind a union. She's always going to support her members in the sense that she wants to take money from their paychecks and then use the money for political gain. But I get why she's against school choice. I get it. I disagree with her, but I get it. You can argue that and have an honest discussion, an honest debate without demonizing the other side as racial segregationists, as white supremacists. What is wrong with you? Seriously, what is wrong with her? What goes through someone's mind when they make comments like that? What's the intent? The intent is to demonize the other side. That means you can't argue the point with them. You can't argue the facts. You can't make a convincing argument as to why you're against school choice. And so you just lean into that laziness of, well, you're a white supremacist. 2020 through 2023 can be deemed the years in which the term white supremacist no longer meant anything. It used to mean something. It used to mean something. And now it's, oh, I don't like the fact that he or she is a conservative and holds a different viewpoint than I do on an issue like insert issue. You're a white supremacist. It has nothing to do with race. You're a white supremacist. It's the new racist. 
And at some point, they called everything racist. It stopped stinging, so then they switched it over. Now they call everyone a white supremacist. It doesn't mean anything. And I think it, the, the at the point in which it truly went over the edge and no one believed it anymore, and, and no one says, oh, that's you're making a, a, a very damning point about race in this guy, is when they called Larry Elder the black face of white supremacy because he's a conservative. That's it. That That's literally it. It, it is utterly shameful that folks just can't debate issues anymore. Especially one where you can make your points. It's not like, I, I don't think school choice, even though I support it, I don't think it is beyond a conversation or a debate. I don't think any policy is beyond debate. You can even be really passionate, Randy, with your debate. We've seen you speak gesticulating like a crazy person, just shouting. Do that, but stick to the actual issue instead of these ad hominem attacks that just seek to divide. And you're just, you're demeaning people. You know who else demeaned people? Hitler. That's what she's doing. It's a dumb argument. You know who else made dumb arguments? David Duke. So she must be like David Duke. What is the value there? There's none. There's no value. Which explains the American Federation of Teachers. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Legal. Well, now we have a federal judge for the second time declaring that the DACA program, the deferred action, blah, 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 the Dreamers program, was unlawful. Now, there isn't yet an order to deport the 600,000 or so Dreamers that are in this country. This, of course, was an Obama-era program. It was created and enacted via a memo. This is back in 2012, and yet we're now still dealing with it, the legal ramifications of it. And when he did it at the time, the Obama administration, they knew what they were doing was illegal, but they knew that any kind of legal challenge would take this long. Because, again, remember, this is over 10 years ago, and it's still in the courts. Now, it was previously found unlawful last year, or excuse me, two years ago. It was 2021. And now we get it again from the district court judge, Andrew Hannon. He said, while sympathetic to the predicament of DACA recipients and their families, this court has expressed its concerns about the legality of the program for some time. The solution for these deficiencies lies with the legislature, not the executive or judicial branches. Congress, for any number of reasons, has decided not to pass DACA-like legislation. Now, that last sentence, I think, is incredibly important here because you hear folks on the left talking about how this is an issue about compassion. They want to help. It's about children. But they don't pass any legislation that's similar, even when they had total control in Washington. Why is that? Why do they choose not to get involved? Because they don't have the support, and they know a lot of what they're asking for will be deeply unpopular within the country, with just the voting base. Now, here's here's a couple truths that I think conservatives have to understand and accept. You might not like them, but these are truths. Number one, you will not be deporting dreamers, period. End of story. That will not happen. And if I'm being totally honest... As much as I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to the border, I don't want to deport dreamers. We're talking about children who were brought here. They had nothing to do with it. 
They were brought here when they were very, very, very young. And unless they're breaking laws while here, I don't want them to be deported because it's just cruel. Where are we deporting them to? So let's say you came into this country when you were six years old. We're going to deport that now 16, 17-year-old to where? Do we know where their family is? Do they have any connection to the family? Do they have even an understanding of the language? I just think that that's unfair. And what if it was someone who came here when they were younger, even younger than that? Let's say they're not a teenager now. Let's say that they're 12 years old. That just doesn't seem right. It seems cruel. And that will, in fact, backfire on Republicans who hold that position. There is a way to ensure that this doesn't continue and that we secure the border while not losing any kind of ground on this issue. And the second that you say we should be going door to door and grabbing DACA recipients and and sending them back, that is a losing battle. And it does, to me, feel cruel. And if you disagree, that's okay. I'd like to hear from you. You can send me a tweet or an X post at Jason Rance. Now, the other truth, and this is the biggest part, and this is to our benefit. So really, I should have said this is a truth that the liberals have to expect or respect. This whole legal process isn't even really about DACA. It's about future moves by presidents to try to enact something similar. That's really what this is about. We know that DACA was was unlawful. We knew it was the role of the legislature. This is a ruling that will basically say that, which means it's going to be harder for a future president and presumably a Democrat. Unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have a Democratic president at some point again in our future. Maybe not in my lifetime because I'm 41. I'm old. But it's going to happen. And basically now they're saying, yeah, no, you can't do it. So that's a good thing for us. But I'd like to hear from you. You can send me a post over at twitter.com slash Jason Rant. Back with more after this. Young, Tacoma, Bremerton, Bothell. This is the Big Local on the Jason Rant Show. Redmond, Sumner, Kent. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that. 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local, brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services. They're online at alpineclean.com. This is the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. And I feel awful for people who rely on the ferry. They were promised a lifestyle that the state of Washington would never be able to provide. They would never be able to do this. And for the folks who rely on the Edmonds-Kingston route, they had to deal with one less ferry, and they're still dealing with one less ferry because the state ferry system is completely incompetent. And unfortunately, because they don't do a good job of upkeep on their ferries, well, another one just got lost from the fleet. A mechanical issue of some kind is going to need some significant repairs, took it off the schedule. So now they're on their alternative schedule. The wait yesterday from Edmonds, just yesterday, three hours. Three hours! That's so brutal. And what can you do? What do you do? He's like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. I'm so tired. But you can't. The reverse was one hour. Same thing. You're like, I just want to go to work. Oh, no, actually, never mind. I'll just let the boss will understand. I work for a Republican. 
They know. They know what's going on. It's unbelievable. Cairo 7 TV spoke with a guy in Edmonds who, and I love the way he talks about this. He says, if it's not one problem, it's another. He goes, quote, if a boat doesn't go down, it seems like there's staffing issues. Only one boat going back and forth to Kingston today, so it's going to be kind of a nightmare. There's no plan. There's no proactive upkeep, it seems like. We find these stories all the time. And don't forget what just happened also that we had to deal with. It's finally cleared now. The project for Bainbridge Island to Seattle and vice versa They weren't allowing anyone in vehicles or even bicycles or scooters or rollerblades. It's just you're walking on and you're walking off because of the project that they they were undertaking. The project's not done, but the portion where they're banning the cars, that part is. So if it's not one thing, it is another thing. That dude is 100% correct. I will, however, say if you made a choice to embrace the ferry lifestyle after learning what a nightmare, that's on you. I'm not going to blame people early on, but that's on you. There was what I want to say this was 2019. And if you could look this up, I believe it was Bremerton. They were doing this big push marketing push about, hey, you could take the ferry back and forth forth to Seattle. Don't worry. We have a fast ferry. Come live in Bremerton. It's the best lifestyle you can imagine. And you get to avoid all of the traffic, all of the headaches. There were commercials for it and everything. The mayor was in the, oh, you should go ahead and do this. And I remember at the time, and by the way, at this point, the cost of living in Bremerton wasn't what it was, what it is today. I remember telling everybody, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not going to work out for you. It never does. And it had to have been earlier than 2019 because I was on Cairo Nights at the time. Did you find it? 2016, uh, okay. there's an article about a, a campaign for the fast ferry. Oh, we got to take the It's the best thing in the world. Hop on and off the fast ferry. We'll take you from from uh, from your home to downtown Seattle, and it'll be a nice little safe jaunt up to wherever it is you work. No homeless will stab you in the back. No smell of fentanyl smoke anywhere. Oh, it's the greatest. If you fell for that, I don't have sympathy. Well, no, I don't have sympathy, unless you're a listener. Then I have sympathy. But if you're not, I don't have sympathy. It's just, it is what it is, I guess. Here, here's just a weird story and a wonderful reminder that we are a sanctuary state. Came out of Snohomish County. The Pacific Northwest Violent Offender Task Force plus the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office. They were going after a 28-year-old named Ivan Lopez Ramos. He is an illegal immigrant. Deputies say that he fled from cops on September 5th, crashed his vehicle on I-5 in Linwood, started running up to vehicles with people in them, because this is the freeway, trying to carjack them, but then ultimately was able to flee on foot. He was somehow able to get away. Now, the reason why this is coming up again, the Pacific Northwest Violent Offender Task Force is asking for the public's help in finding this dude. Because back in 2022, he was detained by ICE and then deported back to Mexico. But he has since returned. Why has he returned? Because we have a porous border. He's one of those guys where, hey, you know how we talk about 
people getting across the border and they're either known or unknown gotaways. He's a gotaway. That's how he got into this country illegally for a second time. Or at least a second time. We don't know. Maybe it's even more than that. But this is a guy who is a bad person. This is a guy who has a very, very, very lengthy crime history. In fact, they say since he got back into this country, he has the following new criminal charges and warrants for his arrest. The first one is going to kind of bury the lead. Failure to register as a sex offender. Register, meaning dude's already a sex offender and he just didn't register. Imagine that dude, by the way, if the one thing he actually followed was, I will read, this is my address. That would make the investigation really easy. Oh, he's got a felony DOC warrant for uh, Department of Corrections. Escaping community custody, second degree assault, eluding, hit and run, fourth degree domestic violence, felony harassment, threats to kill, interfering with reporting of domestic violence, and fourth degree malicious malicious mischief. So, not a great guy. Washington State is a sanctuary state. And if, let's just say, the guy was found in the city we don't talk about during this segment, or the county of King, and they arrested him, and then they charged him with whatever, state law, and in the county, prohibits them from telling ICE, from working with ICE on a deportation. I think there are a handful of exemptions. I don't think this one falls under that exemption list. Because it kind of depends on when some of these crimes occurred. And if you're going to go after him, if the original reason was the deportation uh, for being a sex, I, I don't know. But we shouldn't even have to ask that question like, hey, is this one of the illegal immigrants who's a criminal that we can tell people about? Is, is No? Okay. Well, we won't tell anyone. And then ICE has no idea. They'll put in a detainer request, which basically says, hey, we're trying to get someone to go pick him up. Can you chill out a little bit? Hold on to him for a bit until we get there? Like, nah, we're just going to release. That happens way more than people realize. And by design, it happens a lot because by design, we don't inquire whether or not someone is in this country illegally. We don't ask. They don't tell. If they told, we don't remember. That's how it works here. Because of Democrats in charge. As I'm writing, as I was writing my book, What's Killing America?, Thanks, by the way, to the Dan Bongino crowd for making me very wealthy today because lots of books were sold on Amazon. More should be sold. What's Killing America Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities comes out in a little over a week. I went back and I looked because I was talking about immigration as one of the chapters, and I specifically focused some of my attention on the Pacific Northwest. Multnomah County is just ludicrous with their laws and sanctuary state status. And we are as well. And I went back and I remember one of these stories that I was covering a lot at the time. It's this poor woman who is in a wheelchair. She was with her kid. A homeless illegal immigrant, for whatever reason, started to become infatuated with her, followed her back to her apartment. And she's obviously vulnerable if you're in a wheelchair up against someone who is a strong person. Goes into the apartment, ends up raping her. He then escapes. He then attacks her again. 
gets in front of a judge. The judge says, I'm not asking, but it appears that your counsel is saying you're going to go back to Mexico. I'm dead. Believe me, I'm not asking whether or not you're in this country illegally. But you have four days, I think it was either three or four or five days to, to leave this country. Well, he went ahead and attacked her first, and then he fled. Then he went back to Mexico, which he was then ultimately caught and then brought, ironically, I think he was brought back here for punishment. Finally, the event yesterday, sponsored by Americans for Prosperity, along with Future 42. They had an event at Kent. It was a huge success where they were offering significantly cheaper gas to people. And they said that there was a long, 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 long line, which makes total sense because gas is insanely expensive. Second highest in the country. And the way that they were able to make it so much cheaper by 50 cents or so is because they got rid of the fees that Democrats are responsible for tackling onto your gas. They got rid of the driver's license fees, the cap and trade, the low carbon programs, and the people there loved it. To work, you know, not everybody can work remote. You know, some people have to drive to wherever their their offices or their work location, and, and they don't have a choice. And those are the ones that are being impacted. Well, and beyond that, because the people who love the gas tax, especially when you add all of these additional taxes on, people who do that are folks in Seattle who walk to work or bike to work or take the bus to work. And thus, because they're not going to be impacted in any meaningful way by this, like, oh, whatever, let's go ahead and do it. Go for it. We're better stewards of the environment. We're heroes because we take a bus. Well, first we take a bike ride to the bus stop. Then we take the bus down to the nearest stop for our office. Then we then hop on another bike or a scooter to actually get to our office. But we're so much better than you. That's what they think. This guy, Jim, was first in line. He spoke with our sister station, Cairo News Radio. And their cap and trade thing is ridiculous. They said it was only going to go up five or ten cents. And what's it, 50 cents? We already pay the highest gas tax almost in the country. Smart guy. That's how you know that this... Well, we could call it a stun because that's exactly what it was. We know it worked because people are connecting the dots. More and more people connecting the dots. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. When we come back, you get to choose the news. Story number one, Venice could be stripped of a special status because of a tourism crisis. What is that status? Or Bill Maher makes a striking, stunning announcement about his show. What is that striking or stunning announcement? You get to choose which story we cover. Text your answer, 1-800-465-8770. Don't forget, on our social media channels on Thursday, we post a weekly video brought to you by your local tax expert and advocate, Greg Nunn, and none better tax resolution. This time we take you through the drug crisis in Portland and Seattle and whether or not progressives are actually going to listen. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. the topic on the Jason Rand show. Indeed you do. And you decided to find out what the big announcement was from Bill Maher, who is one of those people I have a lot of respect for even when I fully disagree with his positions and I'll disagree with him 
nine times out of 10, but it's that moment where he turns to his fellow liberals and says, y'all are crazy and you need to dial this back. That's why I have a lot of respect for him. Too few people do that. And it's weird. We actually have quite a few of on the right who say, okay, let's mm, dial it back a little bit. And I can respect that. Now, as you know, there is a writer strike going on. And as a result, everything has pretty much been shut down, at least the shows that have writers. There have been some that have decided to move forward anyway, just without their writers. The View is one of them. It's hard to believe they actually had writers to be. I'm not I'm honestly I'm unsure what they were writing on The View. The Drew Barrymore show that insufferable. Oh, my God. Getting down on her knees with Dylan Mulvaney. I feel for you. I feel for you. She's coming back because she says she says something along the lines of, "My show was made for trying times." Okay, okay. Wow, what a I'm hero! So deep. Give me a hug. I'm here for you. Well, now Bill Maher says he's coming back. His 21st season was cut short because of the writer strike, and. Since there's seemingly no end in sight at this point, which all of us who have a favorite TV show or we were hoping a movie would be made, like a sequel to something, we're all going to be screwed at some point because our shows are not going to come back at our at the time that we expect. Everything's going to be pushed back. Like everything is going to get pushed back. But he's coming back in the 22nd season. He says, unfortunately, sans writers or writing. It has been five months, and it is time to bring people back to work. Everybody else has to work. And while I totally understand why someone might want to, you know, take some time off in solidarity because they're just tired and they want to take some time off, but it gives them an opportunity to pretend that they're doing it in solidarity with another group. Uh, Yeah, you have to get back to work. And Bill Maher is 100% correct. And he's also a writer, right? He is a comedian. He writes his own monologue. He, He gets punched up. No doubt. But he's perfectly capable of doing his own monologue. And for the most part, the show is the most interesting part of the show is the discussions, the debates, because he gets some dopey liberals up there who think that they're going to be able to uh, contend uh, and basically take take a position that's crazy and be the one person that Bill Maher won't call out. And it never works out for them. I find that to be the most interesting. Is it possible that they do a shorter monologue because he's the one writing it by himself? Yeah, I guess. I'm okay with that. I don't find his monologues, his opening monologues, I don't find particularly good. When he does the sit down, that that stuff is good. But the whole stand-up right at the beginning, I don't particularly find interesting or funny. It comes back. And I'm curious how he will be seen. Who will respond first? I have, I'm assuming someone's already done it. It's probably Sarah Silverman or some dope like that. Talking about how, oh, no, I know who it was. It was Keith Olbermann, who I'm pretty sure is working overtime to ensure that every single person who didn't realize he's the worst person in the world to realize he's the worst person in the world. It, it seems, it honestly, it seems intentional. And I don't remember if we made up this story or if it was true, but there was a radio show I was producing a long time ago, a lifetime ago, and we said that he hit his head on a subway 
station in New York. And since then, he's had some significant trouble. And that explains his amygdala was damaged or something. And that explains why he's a horrible person. Don't know if we I can't remember if we made up that story, but I've been going with it. Sounds believable. It sounds totally believable. I wonder if it is. And the funny thing is, I refuse to don't you Google it. I refuse to look it up because if it's a lie and we made it up as a joke, <laughs> I am so impressed with myself for coming up or helping to come up with that. But I, I'm pretty sure it is true. I think that is the, the the case. So he called Bill Maher out because he decided he's a sellout, blah, 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 blah. Not everyone should have to not have a career or a job and a steady paycheck because writers are going on strike. This is kind of proving the point that maybe the writers don't have as much leverage as they think, at least when it comes to these kinds of shows. And as I said yesterday and early on, I understand where the writers are coming from when it comes to AI. Totally get it. In fact, we're going to talk to Garth Stein in the next hour, wonderful author, about the threat of AI and whether or not he sees it as potential competition as a writer himself. That part, though, I'm, I'm with them. All the others said, we want more money. Yeah, yeah, well, everyone wants more money. You can't always get it. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. Really do appreciate you tuning in. And hello to the people from the Dan Bongino Show who are checking it out. We're back with another hour in just a few moments.